0: Hello and welcome to the SBP podcast, the voice of mobile film. I'm your host, Susie Botello, and you're listening to episode 62. If you walked into your friend's house tonight and it was dark, you would probably ask your friend, why the lights aren't on? You would probably be concerned. but What if this was the first time you visited your friend? at their place. I sometimes feel like this when I approach people and begin to discuss the power of storytelling, because not all people are aware of it. What would you tell your friend if they told you, yes, it's too dark for me to cook, it's too dark to see when I need to use the bathroom, and I don't even know how to fix it? Would you not tell them to turn on the light? (laughs) Perhaps show them the light switch, and then turn the light on for them? When it comes to storytelling, I encounter people who believe they don't know how to tell stories. We've all been sort of, well, conditioned to believe that we don't know how to tell stories. That storytelling is something that people need to learn to do, like a skill. Now, allow me to turn on the light for you. You've been telling stories your entire life. Yeah. When you began to speak as a baby, you said things like, Mama. Or da-da. (laughs) Now, beyond that, you can tell a story with two words. Want me to prove it to you? Okay. I ate. Now, what did you do when you heard those two words? The way that we communicate is storytelling. Now, if you're a conscious storyteller, you can build and expand on the words that you communicate for a reaction, a response, whatever. If you're a filmmaker... Then you are a storyteller and you don't need to learn to be a storyteller. Therefore, you can be a filmmaker. Okay, so that's not really a valid statement, but let me explain that to you. You ate. Now ask yourself what, where, who, when, and how. Expand on that and use your imagination. Um, Include a plot, a twist, perhaps a message. And then structure everything with a beginning, a middle, and an end. Now, visualize it as a movie. Pick up your smartphone, the one that you have right in your hand or in your pocket, and begin to produce a story into a film. Our guest in this episode was part of a story concept by a friend, Steph Harris, who is a storyteller like all of us. He was doing his job as a police officer one late night, in a small town in New Zealand when he noticed the look of a service station all lit up in the dark night. And when he turned what he saw into a story, he told the story around the location and shared it with friends. He wrote a screenplay. He asked them what they thought about the story. And that is how the story of Blue Moon, a feature-length film shot with an iPhone, began listen to the person who shot the film with an iPhone share his story on how he was able to make an incredibly cinematic film using an iPhone now I truly believe that some of you, especially if you're making short films, will be inspired by the director of photography for Blue Moon Ryan O'Rourke) <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome to the SBP podcast. I am here with another member of the Blue Moon team, the feature film that's just gone viral all over the world, uh, but filmed in New Zealand. I'm here with the DP, or for some of you who don't know what that is, the director of photography, Ryan O'Rourke. How are you doing, Ryan?
1: Hi Susie, I'm doing great, thanks. Thanks very much for having me.
0: Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you for coming on and, and being our guest, you know, like <laughs> like you're here. Where where are you exactly in New Zealand right now?
1: I'm sitting in Nelson, which is at the top of the South Island, um, a beautiful spot, and it's probably about 40 kilometers away from Motueka, where we, we made this film
0: wow and now for most of us here who are used to miles how how many <laughs>
1: <laughs> um maybe i don't know 30 28 something like that well, we, that's yeah that's
0: not bad.
1: no nah, it's not far
0: no not at all that's very close did you when you were filming this uh this film you, it it took you guys about a total of 6 days but spread out did it, did that take a few weeks
1: oh no it was 6 nights in a row of um yeah, a 5 hour the service station, the petrol station we filmed it was closed for um 5 hours a night. So we had we had the service station for 5 hours a night for 6 nights in a row, so a total of 30 hours. It was it was hectic.
0: It was intense, huh? Where did you guys sleep in the parking lot or <laughs>
1: <laughs> Yeah, that probably would have been a good idea. Um no, uh various places um they had offers of accommodation for for some of the cast and crew and yeah, we were all over the place. Um, but yeah, it was very, very busy nights.
0: Wow. Well, so why don't you, um, well, first of all just mention a little bit about, um, or let's do this. I, I, I see, I kind of, I'm trying to pretend I'm psychic and I'm reading the listeners, uh, right now. And they're saying, well, we we may have already heard about Blue Moon. It's a feature film. It was shot with an iPhone seven, and you shot it. Um, but tell us a little bit about Ryan O'Rourke and a little bit about your background.
1: Okay, so um, hmm. I've been I've never shot a feature film before. This was the first um, full length feature film that I've shot. I've never shot anything on a phone before, so that was a new experience as well. Um, done quite a lot of short films and um, a couple of short films with Steph Harris, who was the writer and director um, for Blue Moon. And so that was really, really helpful going into this, having um, having an established relationship with him and, a, and an understanding. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I used to be a police officer. Um, Steph Harris was also a police officer. Yeah. So that's how we met each other. Um well, I, was, that, I, was I was actually
0: going to ask you, you know, what's it like working for a cop, right? But I guess you're a cop too. so <laughs> uh,
1: Yeah yeah, and no, I think um, yeah, we all understand each other. <laughs>
0: <laughs> was that helpful in any way because I mean there were cops involved in this film.
1: Yeah, there were cops all the way through this film, some of the extras and, um, and some of the crew. Um, oh, I think it is. You, you go through the same sort of training. Because New Zealand just has one national police force, so we all we've all been through the same sort of training, and then you all have you know similar sort of experiences in your career, and, and you do you have a bit of an understanding, and and um, and you can communicate quite you know effectively and efficiently with each other. So, in, in a in a situation like this where you know it can be quite stressful, um, especially with the time constraints that we had, that, that I think it definitely helped.
0: Well, I can't imagine I mean I just think that part of the story is really interesting because I can't imagine any other place in the world where um there are so many cops involved in making movies. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Maybe they just don't tell everyone.
0: <laughs> Could be. Maybe they're just moonlighting, right? And not saying anything. Yeah. Um Maybe. so you uh you guys so you already knew Steph and um did you had you already met um, You know, I mean, obviously in New Zealand, it's like probably like the Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit, the planet of the <laughs> Lord of the Rings films. <laughs> um, Had you guys met the actors, Jed and uh, Jed Brophy and Mark Hadlow before?
1: Um, yeah, I had. Um, <laughs> we'd done some, we'd done a test shoot about three months before we made the film and uh, they were both down for that, which was really helpful but also um we we'd done some um other shooting with them um on another script, just sort of some some test shooting on another script as well for a couple of days in Wellington, probably about a year earlier, I think so yeah, I knew them as well
0: and so that that's another question I was going to ask you if you had worked with him or it well. Not just that, but also if you were nervous about shooting. So I didn't realize that this was your first feature, feature film. So you probably really were very, ner- you know, nervous about doing that, um, you know, because you're committing to a feature and then you're shooting with a camera, which is actually a phone, right?
1: Yeah, no, there was, um, yeah, there was a lot going into it and and ahead of it, I was a bit nervous. Um, but we did a lot of testing with the phone to get comfortable with it, and and I did a lot of stuff on my own with the phone to get comfortable with shooting with it, um, and and having those relationships with, um, or, and understanding the way that that Mark and Jed worked, and and really having a a pretty established relationship with Steph, um, that helped a lot. Was also um, probably the most terrifying thing for me going into this was the amount of trust that Steph placed in me. <laughs> so um, that was quite scary for me. And he did. He just, um, yeah, he he had complete confidence. So um, I knew that I was going to have to live up to that confidence, and I obviously didn't want to let him down. So really committed to um, doing a good job. But then once we got into it, it was just so busy that I didn't really have time to think about that, and you, you know, just concentrating on um, on achieving the best results you can.
0: You guys, you had to uh, now uh, you said you you worked on short films before. Were they um, were did you do a lot of hand holding uh you know hand camera shots or or mostly on tripods?
1: Uh, been a mix, just yes, probably probably most mostly been on tripods. Um, and some with shoulder mounted cameras. Um but, yeah, I've never handheld a camera as much as we did in this. We we used a gimbal, but, um, yeah, there was there was some uh, really long shots in this film, some really long um, dialogue scenes. And so, yeah, there was a lot of um, hand-holding there and moving, and, uh, yeah, that got pretty intense at times.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're trying to keep it steady. You know, you're using the gimbal. Um, when you're using... Um Traditional cameras, you know, it can weigh on you, but people don't realize, yeah, a phone is light, but you're still having to hold that steady and and hold it up, and it can be pretty intense.
1: Yeah, that's right. When it went on, you know, when you're holding it all night, it does, um, yeah, do start to get a bit of a shake on. We did use a monopod at times and um, a tripod for some of the shots, but mostly handheld. Um, But Steph was really keen on wanting A lot of camera movement in there as much as we could and um and so we were prepared to live with a little bit of of movement in some of those shots
0: yeah one of the cool things that i liked about when i was watching the film um was that the third eye you know the third person you you almost feel like you you just happen to be there watching it from a real point of view um you know, even, even though most of the film was, you know, the two main characters and it was, you know, Mark and, and Jed, uh, doing a lot of dialogue, but you guys shot this pretty much chronologically, right?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, I look back on it now and it's just, um, it's just staggering. Some of the um, scenes were out of order, but, um, mostly we went through the script in order and, um, yeah, just the, the actors were amazing. Mark and Jed were just absolutely incredible to work with. They just those really long dialogue scenes. Some of some of them went for more than ten minutes, and they just nailed them time after time after time. It was incredible working with professionals like that, and that's what probably really enabled us to get through this in in six nights. Their yeah, professionalism. And, they,
0: and then you had to shoot um, different camera angles for you know for the during the same scenes as well, right?
1: Yeah, so we were doing each of those scenes um, a number of times to get the get enough coverage,
0: and it really flowed very well. I mean, it, you know, just I mean, I know this is going to sound silly to you, you know, who are you, right? But you know, you did a really good job for um, for this being your first feature film. It's quite impressive.
1: Thanks very much, CZ. There's um um yeah, when we consider the constraints that we had and. Um, and and what the all the factors involved I'm really really happy with with what we've achieved I'm really really proud of it and it's really nice that it's getting some recognition around the world now too
0: Yeah you were just featured um in a magazine weren't you
1: Yeah so Australian um Cinematographer magazine um offered me the chance to write an article about how the how the filming had gone and I did that and it was just published in the June edition um so that was incredible being featured in there uh yeah, and a number of film festivals all over the world at the moment um, It really seems to be um, still picking up momentum.
0: Yeah, and, and not only that, I mean, well, so, yeah, so I'm looking at it kind of a little bit, trying to step into your shoes a little bit and, and thinking, wow, I shot my first film, uh, my first, not your first film, my first feature film. I shot it for the first time with a phone, which people in the industry are still trying to nail that, but it's, (laughs) it's like a, it's like this animal that's just shift changing all the time because the phones, you know, come out with a new phone every year. And then there's so many of them. Um, What do you think about the differences of that? Because, you know, there are several cameras, right? Traditional cameras. And as a, As a DP, you know, you you learn a few and you've got that down. But with phones, it's, you know, they're all different.
1: Yeah, things are just changing so quickly. And even even now, you know, telling people that we shot this film on an iPhone 7, that seems quite dated already. It was only a year (laughs) ago. Um, So, yeah, no, things are changing really quickly. And the capabilities of those phones now is just incredible. Um, Yeah, we were... I was quite worried, you know, before we did the testing, I was quite worried that we were going to have overheating problems or that we were going to be dropping frames. Um, You know, I was was expecting a lot of problems with it, but it actually went really, really smoothly. And we were really lucky that we had um, the app that we used to to shoot the film was called Filmic Pro, um, which has been used on a number of um, feature films now. Um, And we had some of the guys there from Filmic Pro who were – Giving us some advice about the best way to use the app, and um, and with their advice and um, with the iPhones, we we didn't actually have any trouble at all for the whole shoot. We didn't didn't um, lose a single second of footage.
0: Yeah, and that's another thing. When you're using apps, they update too. You know.
1: Yeah, everything's changing constantly, and you've just got to stay on top of it. But I think you know that's just how it is these days. You're probably going to be using a different camera for every everything that you do you know even um even how quickly new cameras you know new um film cameras are coming out there's there's um, new cameras every year and yeah things just change so fast
0: yeah it's um you know one of the one of the things you learn is you know you really don't want to change cameras mid shoot you know um on a production because it, each camera has their own look you know um, you used just this one phone, but I think, I know you used the drone for your aerial shot, but that was just for a, a very quick opening shot when he's on the bike, right?
1: Yeah, there's a little bit of drone footage in there. And, uh, at the end as well, um, we had three iPhones that we were, um, cycling through. Um, so we'd be using one and cause you can't change the battery in the iPhone, um, that would, that would drain down. When the battery got low, we'd swap it out for another iPhone, and then uh, the phone we had been using would go away and have the footage downloaded and checked and um, backed up, and the phone would be charged, and then um, it all went quite smoothly. Three phones worked really well.
0: And now, did, did the phone get hot at any point, overheat?
1: No, we were um, worried about that, actually. Um, we did a bit of testing, shooting in 4K, and uh, the phones were getting... Pretty hot when we were testing, but we had a bit of advice from the Filmic Pro guys um, about about the mode that we were shooting in, and we made some adjustments there and, and didn't have any problems with it. So that was great. We we're able to shoot in 4K on an iPhone, um, just incredible, and um, no problems at all.
0: Let's talk a little bit about that. I, I I'm listening to listeners <laughs> sort of in the outer space, this is this hasn't aired yet or been published, but I can already hear that they would love to know what settings you use. Like, for example, your certain settings that you set up on the native camera before you jump into the Filmic Pro app, right?
1: Right. Well, yeah. So we set it to um, record in 4K at the highest um codec that it could to so the highest bit rate. Um, probably first of all, we deleted every app off there that we weren't using, so we got rid of as many apps off the phone as we could, uh, just left the Filmic Pro app and whatever Apple stuff we couldn't get rid of. Um,
0: airplane
1: shot, mode too? Yeah, yeah, shot with the phones in airplane mode too, obviously, so we didn't get any interruptions, but also to reduce the drain on the batteries and and just devote maximum processing power to the app. Um so it could keep up with all this 4K data that was coming in. Um, what else did we do? So we had a, we locked the um, shutter shutter speed to um, to 180 degree shutter, so 48, 148 of a second, and uh, the frame rate at 24 frames per second, just to try and keep it all looking as filmic as as possible, and the, so that the motion blur was was what people would expect to see on a film, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to phone footage. Um, we shot, um, with a natural look baked in, we were quite keen to shoot in log so that we'd have, um, as, as much latitude as possible in, in post-production to do some color grading and, and so on, play with the footage as much as we could in, in post-production. What, what is
0: but, log? Cause that's, that's a really, that's being talked about a lot.
1: it's basically it gives you a desaturated look so there's no particular look baked in but it just gives you a maximum latitude when in the post-production to change the look of the footage so to to put a a grade over top of it with you know if you want to make it look a a different tint a different color blue or green or something like that um but and whereas if you shoot it with a, a look already baked in um you just don't have that same flexibility later on um
0: yeah like using it, so. like using filters i know there's a lot of people and in short films it's yeah. okay to play around with filters and things like that i think but um when you're shooting something like a feature film you know i think you should try and be as native as, you, as possible and and do most of that look right the aesthetics in post or what do you think yeah
1: definitely that was what we were hoping to do but um but <laughs> when we were having those overheating issues during the test uh, the, the test shoot. Um, the advice from film at, the Filmic Pro guys was that um, with the iPhone Seven, anyway, it's probably changed since then, with um, with um, better phones and more processing power in the phones. But at that stage, if we were going to shoot and log, it required extra processing um, power from the from the phone, and so that was um, going to cause potentially some overheating, maybe some drop frames, um, possibly drain the battery a bit faster. So. Um, I was really worried about the overheating in particular, so um, we shot with a natural look baked in, which just meant we didn't have as much flexibility uh, in post to play with the, the look of the of the film. But um, it did mean that we could shoot in four K, which we felt was um, we really wanted to obtain the best quality pictures that we could.
0: We may have to talk to Judd, right? Because um, uh, he did he did the the post production. He did the video editing.
1: Yeah, Judd. Judd did an amazing job, again, in a very, very short space of time. Uh, He's an an awesome editor, particularly given the footage that I gave him. (laughs) He had to do a good job.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, let's talk about that for a second here. The footage that you gave him um, had to be pretty decent for him to give that film that cinematic look and feel during the production, uh, post-production.
1: Uh, well, it's very nice of you to say that. I'm, um, um, I'm always impressed by what he's managed to do with it, though. I'm, I'm really happy with how it's all turned out.
0: Yeah, I look at it like apple pie. You know, if if your apples have gone bad, you can be a great cook, but that apple pie is not going to be the same as if you use some good apples. And you, you, you gave him some good apples.
1: <laughs> oh, that's a, <laughs> it's a lovely thing to say, Susie. Thank you.
0: <laughs> you're welcome. Um. Yeah, it, it's one of the things, you know, right now what people, most people, unless they go to the film festivals, what they're seeing is the trailer. And the trailer right off the bat just has, first of all, you guys have good lighting and that's important, right?
1: Oh, heck yeah, especially when you're shooting with a, such a small sensor.
0: Yeah, and you guys, so you had to... <laughs> Share a little bit with, with people what you had to do. I mean you're shooting at a gas station inside a convenience store. Um we have things like 7 Eleven and A.M.P.M. and things like that here. And if you close your eyes and listen, uh you hear a lot of, you know, bzzz, bzzz and little fuzzy little sounds and things but if you cover your ears and then look at everything you see the flickering of the lights and things like that how did you guys handle that stuff
1: uh yeah it was a bit of an issue at times mostly we just rolled with it um we were shooting in a service station and it was meant to be a service station so we thought well that's kind of what people are going to expect to see and hear at um, three o'clock in the morning in a, in a small service station in a small town in the top of of the South Island of New Zealand so um, mostly we just went with it and it was yeah it was fine Uh, we did have a I think it was one night where we had to replace a whole lot of bulbs that were just it was just too too noisy Um, too much flickering going on was too distracting but um, we were quite happy to live with a little bit of fluorescent buzz or hum and um, and a bit of flickering flickering light Uh, the light levels inside the service station were pretty good actually so we didn't put any light in there at all um, and we would have really struggled to to shoot the film in six nights if we had have been lighting each scene. It would have been um, pretty much impossible to get that done, I think. Um, so the iPhone handled the, the lighting in the service station really, really well. Um, outside, we struggled a little bit more. It was a big... Um, it was the, the service station or the gas station was this um, little pool of light in, in a big dark night and so... If we were looking into the service station, it was fine. But if we were looking out from the service station, it was really dark. And, and, and the small sensor and the iPhone struggled with that. We did put some extra light on the on the gas station forecourt. Um, but it, again, with the time frames, we weren't going to be able to move that light for each scene. So um, we just did what we could and went with it. And it actually it held up pretty well, I think, considering um, it was really dark out there. <laughs> So yeah, no, it went it went pretty well. Um some of the other issues we had in the service station though would be the um the noise from all the fridges in there. Um so we had to turn those off, which meant there were a few soggy ice creams each morning. Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> no if I would have been there, I would have taken care of that right away.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um well, the other thing we weren't expecting—like we knew we were going to be shooting in a hall of mirrors, basically, because of all the um, the windows and the um, glass on the front of the fridges—but we weren't expecting all the cabinetry, all the um, you know the display cabinets and so on, to be reflective as well. But they were—they were, they were all. A lot of them were red, and they were really like quite shiny and reflective. And so it was just a nightmare with reflections, no matter which way we pointed the camera. So um, that meant we spent a heck of a lot of time trying to find a place for the boom operator to stand. And the rest of the crew spent a lot of time lying on the service station floor.
0: I worked uh, on a film one time and it was done in a, in a restaurant um, and everything was the, the reef, you know, the, the, what do you call that in the kitchen? Kind of like uh, aluminum, you know, uh, metal refrigerators and everything like that. And uh, I was a script supervisor at the time. And I was looking at every little detail. And I was like, you know, you can see the reflection of the lights and you, the director, and you, the camera, right there uh, on the other side of that. And um, uh, the guy goes over there with the spray can and fades out all that stuff. And now you can't tell what that is anymore. Um, nice. I don't think that works as well on glass, though.
1: No, we could have done with a guy like that, though. That would have been really helpful.
0: <laughs> How many people did you end up having in the crew that actually helped out with things? I mean, I know you had your principal people, but then on top of that, did any of the your buddies, you know, uh, the extras or anything pitch in?
1: Probably the guy I think with the toughest job on the whole film was Doug Brooks, who was an actor, but he was also the first AD, and um, he had a really full-on role. So he played Reuben in the film. Um, so I think Joel uh, hatting like that, and in two really key roles, that was a really really hard job, but he pulled it off really well. Um, yeah, no, there was a, we had a, a core core crew of probably I don't know maybe maybe about eight or ten. And, um, yeah, they just put the hours in and did a huge amount of work for us. Um, It was all a bit of a blur, really, looking back on it.
0: Well, you were probably, you know, so everybody's kind of got a bit of a role on on something they want to do, especially during the time constraint you had. Because you said you had basically five hours a night. And when you think about it, that's, you know, putting things up and breaking down. Because you couldn't leave things there because that was an actual store, you know, in a gas station. So you couldn't say, oh, (laughs) we're just going to leave this here, you know, until tomorrow, right?
1: Yeah, no, that's right. The the service station, gas station closed each night at midnight. But I think like we were usually there from about 10.30, just starting to move their displays, <laughs> um, gently encouraging the late shift person to go home a bit early and sometimes starting filming while they were still open. So, yeah, we, you're right. We, had to, we did have to make a few changes each night and the crew got very efficient at that. Uh, and then putting it all back again, usually after that opened, actually, we didn't, didn't manage to get it set up before they opened too often.
0: And there's a, there's a thing like you always leave the set exactly as it was when you, when you entered, once you come upon it. Um, That means like if there's a bag of trash in that corner, you put that bag of trash back, you don't throw it away. You never, that's kind of hard for people to know.
1: Yeah, no, we got good at that. And there was some, you know, we had you take take photos of where everything was and then put it back exactly as it was and the same thing the next night. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, you guys had now here's the other thing. Now, we're talking about reflections of cabinets and windows, but you guys had a lot of little shiny little bags of, you know, chips and candy and all that stuff there. Um, how did you guys work around all that?
1: Um there was – probably the main issue with that was with the firearms. So there's, there's a few firearms in this, in this film, and um, some of the chip bags uh, <laughs> got a bit damaged during some of the <laughs> – that was quite amusing. But, yeah, no, that was the main catastrophe. There was also some Easter eggs that went flying. Um, yeah, it got a bit messy at times.
0: How did you um there's a you know I'm not I'm not going to give away anything but there was a fight scene uh in the or two or something <laughs> uh there's some fight scenes let's say that and um there's that really good one with uh, Mark and Jed um and they did you know I'm I'm sure you guys had to do the blocking for that um but it, I mean it it looked pretty realistic I mean these are two guys that are older Right, um, and they're struggling around, but like I said, it looked really realistic. How was that for you as the camera person?
1: Oh, that was definitely one of the highlights. Um, Jed Brophy is he's done a bit of that sort of thing in films, and he's just a master at it. Um, and yeah, no, he was definitely giving me some tips there about the best uh sort of camera placement to capture what was going to happen and to make it look realistic. And he had the whole thing worked out. Um, and yeah we've got a lot to thank him for there
0: What advice would you give um, some of the filmmakers on doing action scenes like that, like for example you know we're talking about a lot of camera movement and if you don't lock the exposure you know it's, it, you know the lighting changes from one angle to the next are going to affect your look, what, what advice would you give them?
1: Um, I think you've got to be really familiar with your gear. Um, And yeah, it's just about probably doing it. Um, I mean, you don't want to be putting the actors in a situation where they have to do it over and over again because you haven't quite got the, um, the settings right, or the settings have changed or yeah, you didn't have the everything on manual and, and, and the camera's gone and changed some setting itself. So I think you really need to be familiar with your camera and, have got yourself to a point where you're going to, where you're confident that you can perform to the same sort of level as the actors are performing, because that's what it is, really. Um, so it's about, yeah, knowing your gear and having the confidence in yourself, I suppose,
0: and making sure you're not the part of the fight, right? Because <laughs> it's easy. Yeah, don't get,
1: <laughs> yeah, don't get too close. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it was good well, fun. It was those, um, those scenes were awesome, awesome, yeah. and um, Jed and Mark did a great job, I think.
0: Um. When you're when you're so so I'm I'm thinking about filmmakers who have made uh, a number of short films with their phone, because there are some filmmakers that have probably already made in the dozens of short films. Um, And, you know, as you know, with our film festival and everything, I'm I'm trying to raise the bar to say, you know, get out there. You've done some short films um go go make a go make a feature length film now. Uh well some some of these guys have never worked professionally before outside of being of working professionally with a phone. Um what advice would you give them you know, as far as the differences between um filming a short and filming a feature film? What things should they really concentrate on like whatever you do guys don't forget this or don't do that
1: um i to me the biggest thing is trust with um with the director um and also other members of the crew because it's just there's just so much going on it's not something that i well maybe other people can but i couldn't keep the whole um chronology of the film in my head and so i i I, could, I was taking in bits each night, but I just had to trust that you know, we were doing the right thing at the right time. Um, and, but also the thing, I think it's really important that people do, if they can, make a feature because features get noticed a lot more than short films do, I think. You know Short films, people who are passionate about, about film will go and watch a short film or people involved in the industry or, or people who, for who it's their hobby will go and watch a short film. But they don't really get noticed outside of those circles. Whereas feature films make much more of an impact, and I, you know, I think you can make short film after short film after short film, but if you want to really get noticed, you've got to make a feature.
0: Now, let's let me ask you about that. Um, if you think that making a feature film on a phone will get you more, a little more media attention than uh, making a feature film with a traditional camera, now I'm I'm not talking about the story the quality of the story in the film and so forth, but just a mere fact that you shot it with a, uh, with a phone.
1: I've been thinking about that lately, and I think you're right. I think, I think at the moment that's still the case. Like we're definitely not the first to make a feature film on a phone. Um, it's been done years before us, but it's still a novelty, uh, and I think maybe, you know, another five years, it won't be a novelty. But at the moment, you definitely do get a, a bit more of a boost from there's a from the smartphone film festivals um, and just the general novelty factor, I suppose, of making a, a feature film on a phone.
0: There's also I mean, I you know, my I'm all over this stuff. So for me, um, I go out and I do see some feature films and they, they're just not you know the story is there you know but the the quality is uh aesthetically or even with sound um it it just it just is not there quality wise and i think if you're going to make i'm just trying to see what your feedback is on this but if you're going to make go all out and make a feature film you really should Try and make it look as good as possible because, yeah, it's going to get more attention than a short. And you know, it's like if you're going to go standing st- on a stage full of 500,000 people as opposed to 10 people, you do want to look good, right?
1: Heck yeah. Well, if you're going to go to all this effort, why wouldn't you put your best foot forward? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's probably that's probably you know one of the reasons why we chose to use the anamorphic lens on the front of the iPhone, so the Moondog Labs anamorphic lens that we use. We wanted it – although we were shooting it on a phone, we didn't want it to look like we'd just shot it on, on the phone we'd whipped out of our pocket. We wanted it to look as filmic as possible, and so we used the the anamorphic lens to get that really wide aspect ratio. Um, and it looked beautiful. And there's, there's a lot of people that have commented um, – you know, Jed Brophy was saying he's shown it to – people in the industry and they haven't realized that it's been shot on a phone. Um, we, we weren't trying to hide the fact that we were shooting on a phone, but we just wanted it to look as cinematic as possible. So yeah, why if you're going to the effort of, of making a feature film, why wouldn't you, you want it to look as beautiful as possible and and why wouldn't you want to have the sound as, as, as good as you can possibly get it and the performances and the story.
0: Yeah. I mean, just go all the way and, and also, you know, we're talking about the location, um, and and it was really just one location, but aesthetically it was a very colorful um, setting that you guys had.
1: I think that comes right back to Steph's, you know, he, when he first conceived of this film, he was standing on the forecourt, working as a police officer, standing on the forecourt at 3 o'clock in the morning or something, um, gassing up his patrol car, and just sort of looked at, looked at the scene there, and, you know, it was a quiet night. Dark, and this the service station was just this pool of light, and surrounded by blackness. And that's just—I think that's quite a cool starting place, you know, for a story that takes place at night when everybody else is asleep. Um, The sort of stuff that goes on that people have no idea about, and that's exactly what Blue Moon is.
0: And for people out there who who think they can't be a filmmaker. Um, I almost feel like it's my job to inspire you all to do it because, you know, just like you, Ryan, myself and 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 our listeners, how many of us and how many times have we seen something or been somewhere or looked in, in a direction and said, wow, it's like a movie, right?
1: Yeah, that's right. And uh, that's what I love is um, just – being able to be a little bit creative and tell a story visually is what um, I love about the process of making films. Uh, I just find it really, really satisfying, and I love working with um, all the different disciplines, the, the different um, – I think you get different types of people in the different disciplines in a film crew, um, and they sort of – they work differently, But and you have to – although everyone's different, you have to cooperate together really, really well under quite a bit of pressure to, to produce a result and i love it when i love the feeling when everything's um everything's going well and you're you're creating this product that just wouldn't have existed if you hadn't had that level of cooperation
0: yeah uh i i always i mean it's one of the reasons i started this i love filmmakers i mean the and it's not just about the films it's about the type of people that that filmmakers are where they're like the musketeers you know all for one and one for all they really are
1: yeah, that's exactly right, and you have you have to be to get a result. I think because there's just um, there's there's so many ways that it can end badly, um, or or that because um, everyone has to contribute and contribute at a high level to make it happen. So um, I love it. I love that sense of teamwork that you get, teamwork and creativity when it's when it's all going well.
0: Was there any examples that you can share um, without you know someone getting upset <laughs> of of times that things. Or maybe at least one thing that kind of really could have gone wrong had you not had the right team
1: oh gee that's a tough one to think of um, there's just little things like um we had and this isn't uh, this isn't really an example an example of teamwork but like we had a fan there because every time we were using a firearm um the, the we there would be a lot of smoke generated and we needed a fan to, to ventilate the the gas station. And so at one stage when the crew was packing up and I just see what a good job they did before, but the fan actually got left outside the service station. And then, and so the service station was open all day. And at some stage it got stolen. (laughs) And so we showed up that night and we didn't have the, didn't have the fan. And so they were able to check the security tapes and saw saw someone putting it in a vehicle and the police were able to recover it for us the same day. So it's just things like that that that, that do go wrong during the course of the, of filming. Um. Yeah. So it was an interesting experience. <laughs>
0: there's there's always all these little stories, and I, and I'm sure you know if you guys all sit around and you start, it's like you said, you know, you couldn't be aware of everything that was going on because you had your part too. Um But I'm sure every one of you. I mean, I've talked to. Let me. Your the fourth one, right? So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm I, for me, it's really interesting to hear all you the different points of view and the different little stories that you're all sharing uh, with our listeners. I think they're getting a, a really great benefit uh, from listening to all the perspectives. You know, from the actors and the the director, um, and and you as a you know director of photography. Let me ask you something: um, Are you are
1: you going to make another film with your phone? Um, I'll shoot on anything, I think. Yeah. I think that's my view, is that I'll use any – it's just a tool, isn't it? It's just another camera. And I think I'd be quite happy shooting another, another film on a phone. Um, I'd like more than six nights to do it, and if possible. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm happy to use any camera because – I think it doesn't matter what camera you're using. There's always limitations, you know, the camera might be really big and it takes a long time to set up or I don't know. It's, there's always limitations to every camera that I've ever used. And so, and the iPhone's no different to that. So happy, happy to use whatever tool is um, either available or appropriate or affordable.
0: Well, yeah, but you're a D you're a DP. You like a challenge.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I do. I like, I I do like um, picking up a new camera and, or an old camera, and finding out um, what its strengths are and and what the best way to use it is. Yeah, I
0: enjoy that. What do you think about the storytelling aspect of the, you know, the the small camera, the phone, as opposed to, you know, the big camera? Because I know you had a lot of shots where would they have worked with a regular camera? Would you have been able – I'm sure you would have because I believe in you guys so much. Um, But would it really have – would you really have struggled with a traditional camera in 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 making this film?
1: We could have done it. It just would have taken a lot more time, a heck of a lot more time to set up and um, move between shots. Uh, And also, like, the space we had in the service station was very, very limited. It's it's quite a small gas station. So, yeah, it would have been a lot more challenging, I think. But also, um, we potentially wouldn't have got the same results because the feedback from the actors, um, Mark and Jed, is that they love working with that smaller camera. They've been, obviously, on some huge films, uh, you know, Lord of the Rings and so on, and, um, you know, working with huge camera setups and huge crews. But they found working with, or the feedback from them is that they found working with the iPhone um a lot less intrusive on their performances. And because some of the things we were shooting were really long dialogue scenes, um, you know, we're we're right up close, but it doesn't feel like we're in, in the in their face with a huge camera. And they're not having to do one shot and then and then take a break for half an hour while something gets reset or or longer and then um get back into character and try and deliver another performance exactly the same as the one before. So um because we could move so fast we could we could shoot from one side of the conversation and then move around to the other side and just sort of carry on and it was a lot less intrusive and, and we weren't interrupting their performances as much so i think they the feedback is they really enjoyed working with a, the with the iphone and the smaller camera
0: is there anything that you've learned that you that causes you to think there's there, there may be something if you had if you could or would uh, do another film maybe in a small, tight location like this, another feature, uh, same iPhone? Is there something that you would change?
1: Um, probably the biggest issue for me was the small screen on the iPhone and, and monitoring it, I suppose, and just you know looking for reflections and, and, and getting focus exactly right. Um, and because we're in such of a hurry, there wasn't a lot of monitoring that went on or playback. So um, it would be be really good to be able to have a little bit more time just to to check things as we went and to um and just make sure when we're framing up that you know we haven't got anything in the shot that we don't want to be there and, and focus is exactly right
0: yeah so being able to play it back I mean and you can so easily too but yeah you guys really were tight on the <laughs> on that. Time.
1: Yeah, no, we did. We we had options there to play it back. We had a big TV available. We had um, an iPad available. We had a laptop there, uh, and it was all quite easy to do. It was, it was mostly the time restriction that stopped us doing that.
0: Yeah, and and that's the other thing too, for a feature film versus a short film, that you really, really do want to have something there where you can dump the your footage into and and start again, right?
1: Yeah. So we had a we had a great. Um, great uh, team doing that. So the, the phone would go off and get downloaded and, and backed up onto three different hard drives. Just, just immediately we finished shooting with it. So we had that assurance that the footage was safe. So we ended up with um, four copies of it, one on the laptop and then um, three hard drives. And that was checked before the phone was erased and then came back again. Um, so, yeah. But, and we're also – there was some continuity stuff there because we didn't shoot the whole thing in order. So um, – being able to check that was really important too.
0: Yeah. There's, there's gotta, there's always a little cheating. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. There's always continuity stuff.
0: Right. Uh, well, yeah, I should know about that. I was, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, well, you know what? We're reaching almost an hour already. Um, and I, I'm not even done yet, but I, how about I ask you one, one more question, And I'll just leave this question, leave you for the topic of this. Um, What would you say to um, aspiring filmmakers who, yeah, they feel comfortable in shooting short films, but they're just, they're just, they can't get their their foot into the feature film waters yet. What would you say to really inspire them to go for it?
1: I would say it's been the, best filmmaking experience that I've had. It's just everything else pales into insignificance uh, in comparison to making a feature. Um, I've I've loved every minute of it. I'm completely indebted to Steph for the trust that he placed in me. Um, And I'd say it's never been easier or more accessible, I suppose, to make a feature than it has now. Um, If you've got a good story and you want to tell it, then, um, yeah, the technology's never been more in reach. And I think that's really cool. I think you know that the those barriers that used to exist, even ten years ago, even less that they just aren't there anymore, and anyone can do this. It's um, you know I see my kids have been picking up um, phones and going out. They've been borrowing the gimbal that we used on this on this film, and they are going out and telling little stories themselves, and they're coming home and editing them. Um, doing the whole thing, I'm going to be replaced fairly shortly. But uh, it's just so so cool that anyone can be a visual storyteller these days.
0: Oh, awesome! Yeah. Y- you know the the International Mobile Film Festival in San Diego. We were all ages. In case your kids want to submit a film or two or three, <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: they probably will be in a few years. Yeah, it's very cool, though, isn't it? It's, it's fantastic to to make something. Um, a but a little bit creative and to, yeah, to actually produce it and get it out there and have others see it and, and actually enjoy it and appreciate it. And, um, yeah, I just find the whole process really cool.
0: Ryan, you know what's really cool too? Having dad make a film and be a part of the same film festival competing with, uh, with your film. Because that's actually happened before with uh, a girl who was 11 years old, made, a, made a, film, a little film on her iPhone, and the father made uh, another film, and they shared the red carpet and everything in our film festival before. <laughs>
1: That is very very cool. Yeah. I think yeah, if I was if I was um, if I was the dad, i be you could be seeing how you were being replaced. That would be how i would be feeling. I think also very proud, but you know you could yeah. see oh man, <laughs> this is the beginning <laughs> of the end,
0: <laughs> right? <laughs> who's the who's who's the boss of the house now? Right, the one that's exactly. always been the kid.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So,
0: wow. Well. Hey, it's been a really great experience. Um, I hope, and I am sure, our listeners learned a lot from this, and I hope they're really, truly inspired to start making some feature-length films because, you know, they do have a good opportunity for getting some distribution, which is always the dream, right?
1: Yeah, there's so many opportunities out there now, and so many people that are just waiting for a film, you know, a feature film to come along. And um, oh, the support we've had has just been, and from people like yourself as well, Susie. The support we've had has just been absolutely incredible, and we're just so grateful.
0: Yeah, it, it's you guys are a testament that, and 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 we're still, you know, I forget because it's been my world for so long. But I, I do, we're still in the early stages of this. We're the tip of the iceberg still in the in the industry.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it's a great time to get out and do it.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, say goodbye to our listeners.
1: Goodbye, Susie's listeners. (laughs) Thanks for having me.
0: You're welcome. Bye, guys.